Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. of the Believe Podcast Network. It's time for the Believe in Ole Miss Podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. Believe in Ole Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network. The Ole Miss Rebels are 5-0, 1-0 in the conference. They'll have the Vanderbilt Commodores upcoming on Saturday at 3 o'clock in Nashville, Tennessee. It's Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. We'll have Chris Lee in the second half of the show. Excited about Chris joining us. Uh, Chris, of course, is with VandySports.com, an affiliate of Rivals.com. Coming to you today from the Debbie Johnson studio, if you have any type of real estate need, just give Debbie a call today. Uh, Debbie's our real estate agent here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. She can be yours as well. 662-689-0090. We'll get you in touch with Debbie, and she can be your real estate agent today. Also, thankful for our friends at Bet Online. Remember, Bet Online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Head on over to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device. Join and make your very first sports bet. Use that promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-50, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Remember to head on over to Rebs247.com. A ton of information about recruiting, about how the visits went this past weekend. There were a ton of visitors in town uh, for the Kentucky game, and uh, a lot of information. There also some basketball content is, well, Basketball's right around the corner along with baseball, and uh, we've just got released that Ole Miss and will get their national championship rings the weekend of the Alabama game. Also, that's when the season will debut, chronicling the national championship baseball. Can't wait. Everybody's kind of been waiting for it. Before we head over to Chris, I want to give you a couple of stats that, uh, that I was able to find. You look at where Ole Miss is offensively, number five in rushing offense, number 29 in scoring offense, number 13 in third down conversions, 29 in pass yardage per completion, and number 26 in total offense. The number that uh, didn't surprise me very much is we knew Ole Miss had struggled a little bit in the red zone, number 48. And, of course, everybody's been following Quinshawn Jenkins. He's 
He's really good. And if you look at the current freshman and the NCAA leaderboard at number two in yards per carry at 6.29, number two with six rushing touchdowns. He's number one with 535 rushing yards and number one with 107 yards per game. It's been a big season so far for Quinshawn Jenkins, and your your hope is that, uh, you know, not taking anything away from Vanderbilt, but you get some other folks a chance to get in there and carry the football. Take care of business on the road. Come back because there's business to take care of at home with Auburn and gearing up for the stretch run at LSU and at Texas A&M before coming home to host Alabama. A lot going on. But right now, it's Ole Miss and Vanderbilt coming up on Saturday. Chris Lee of VandySports.com joins us right here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network, as Chris breaks down the 2022 Vanderbilt Commodores. show is brought to you in part by bet online our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all of the latest odds news and sports developments for the nba playoffs major league baseball fights and nfl futures bet online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs including live betting and the fan favorite vegas casino and poker games it's really easy to get started just head on over to the website use your mobile device and sign up today use our promo code believe 50 b-l-e-a-v 50 and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus in your first deposit but online where the game starts. Today's show is brought to you in part by Realtor Debbie Alderson Johnson. If you're looking for a spot in the Oxford area or, quite frankly, anywhere in Mississippi, that is your go-to. Remember, real estate industry since 2003, looking for that special ag property, maybe a recreational property, maybe a commercial real estate property, or a new home. Uh, Debbie does a great job and can be your real estate agent today. Just contact her directly at 662-234-5555. Of course, that's a member of the Kessinger Real Estate family, Estate.com and Debbie has been with them for quite a few years. If you need to get her directly, just dial her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Remember, your go-to for real estate, whether it be commercial, farm, or maybe you need that home. Maybe you need that second home in Oxford. You're looking maybe to relocate Oxford. Part of the real estate family, the Kessinger Real Estate family. Debbie Johnson, your realtor, 662-234-5555. Or call her cell phone at 662-689-0090. Debbie Johnson and a proud sponsor here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. It is a place which exerts an extraordinary pull on all who have walked its hallowed ground. Thousands come each year, and yet no one ever really leaves. Ole Miss is for life. A major university with the familiar intimacy of family. Friendships that are more than friendships. Moments that are more than moments. An autumn celebration on a Saturday afternoon in the Grove. Contests waged and triumphs savored. With our largest freshman class, soaring honors college, national reputation for academics and research, our pride is overflowing. Today, more than ever, for all who have ever called this magical place home, you never leave Ole Miss. 
Welcome back to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Want to be a part of the program? Just email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradloganCOTE. Whether it's touchdown Ole Miss or showers and right, it's all Ole Miss all the time. And now back to the show. Welcome back into the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network, joined by Chris Lee, who does a fantastic job covering Vanderbilt athletics. He, of course, is at VandySports.com. He's at ChrisLee70 and then VandySportsDotCom on Twitter. Chris, my friend, thanks very much for jumping on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. Great to be on. I had a chance to listen to your podcast yesterday, which I encourage anyone if they uh, are interested in Vanderbilt athletics. I listen uh, sometimes just a couple times a week. I mean, you've got some incredible guests. And, and I love what you guys did yesterday, and it was with Seabass uh, out of Jackson, Tennessee, kind of breaking down where Vanderbilt is at this point. Let's, let's just for a moment kind of look at the season as a whole. Vanderbilt came out hot beating a, a Hawaii team that, that now we've learned <laughs> may not be very good, Chris, and then uh, going on the road and beating a Northern Illinois team that has, has had some success this year. I thought played pretty well down the stretch at times against Wake Forest and then beat an Eli team. Vandy's got a couple of wins under the belt this year. Yeah, I mean, it's Vanderbilt's won three games, which is two more than it won the previous two seasons combined. Um, we talk on the podcast a lot about the shape that Derek Mason left the program in, and you, you've heard me say this often, Brad, but your audience probably has not. Um Anytime you have a rebuild at Vanderbilt, it's tough. I think the one that Clark Lee had had a couple layers on top of it that you don't get usually at Vanderbilt, just that the culture was a disaster in so many ways. I think he's done a good job. Now, the question I have, which the Alabama game brought to light, is how does Vanderbilt do when it is playing against athletes that are much better across the board than it has? And Alabama answered that with a 55-3 to win. Now, Ole Miss, I don't think, has Alabama talent, but, you know, it's it certainly got more than Vanderbilt does. And, and so I think that's the thing going forward. All the games remaining are against SEC teams. All of them are going to have better athletes. How does Vanderbilt do against those teams going forward, I think, is the big question. And can it sneak a win or two here or there that, that maybe people didn't see coming before the season? Which leads perfectly into my next question. I'm going to look at this through my, uh, my gold and black glasses here. Ole Miss always is in a tight one with Vanderbilt historically over the last 15 to 20 years. Uh, at Missouri, we've seen Missouri really struggle some this year. That could be a possibility that game's in Columbia. I love the opportunities that follow versus South Carolina there in Nashville. That's an opportunity, I think. Uh, you know, things could happen in, in, at Lexington. I know Kentucky's pretty good this year. Then you get a Florida team at home. Chris, I, I know looking at this objectively – you're, you're looking as a Vanderbilt – as we talk to Vanderbilt fans, they're hoping to get a couple of conference wins. Where's the best opportunity going forward? 
You know, Brad, I've thought all year it was at Missouri. Uh, Vanderbilt nearly won that game a year ago, had a great chance, uh, which you can say the same thing about South Carolina. It led that game with under a minute left in Columbia. But, you know, I don't know how much to put into Missouri's near miss against Georgia. You know, Missouri had a near miss against Auburn the week before, which I know Auburn has been the butt of a lot of jokes, but it's still not a bad football team. So I don't know what Missouri is. Uh, that's, again, the one I had circled. I don't know if they've got a better chance against them or South Carolina. Right now, I think Missouri's probably a little better team. But th- those are the two that I would circle. I don't think they're going to beat Kentucky and Lexington. I'd, I'd be shocked. But, you know, Kentucky's games have been pretty close against just about everybody. Um, and Vanderbilt played Kentucky tighter than expected a year ago. Uh, Florida kind of depends on what Anthony Richardson is. I don't know that we're completely sure of that yet. Um, you know, I would think those are the ones with the best chances, um, and notably Missouri and South Carolina. 22-game conference losing streak. Do I have my number correct, Chris? I, I think that's correct. And it really feels like watching this team play, I watched the entire Northern Illinois game, and we'll get to the, the personnel in just a moment, and I think there's a lot of bright uh, bright days ahead for, for Clark Lee personally. But I had a chance to watch that game. This doesn't look like a team that's got a conference losing streak of 22 games. They look like they're really playing hard for Clark Lee. Yeah, again, I want to see what the Alabama game does to them. Was that just a complete confidence right. shatterer or, or was it not? If it's not, what I saw before then was it was a fairly decent team and even the loss to Wake Forest – which now you wonder, had they started A.J. Swan in that game instead of Mike Wright, would that have looked differently as well as Swan has played? But, you know, Wake beat, is almost beaten Clemson and then took down Florida State. So not that we thought that was a bad loss to begin with, but it's certainly not. Elon, I think, is unbeaten in the FCS, or at least was coming into Saturday. I didn't see how Elon fared this weekend. Um, Northern Illinois played Kentucky within seven points, and you could say, well, Vanderbilt caught NIU with the backup quarterback. That is true. Um, He played for about two and a half quarters, and I think that had a lot to do with Vanderbilt winning that game. But the same guy took NIU to Kentucky, um, played the whole game, came up seven points short. So I I think that's a a decent win for a program that needed one. Um, I think with Vanderbilt, the the key is going to be defense. Can it get some stops somewhere? That has been a, a big issue really ever since the second half of the Elon, Elon game on. They haven't stopped much of anybody. Uh, but the offense seems to be a little better under A.J. Swan. Uh, he's a very talented kid. And so, um, again, I, I think a lot of it is just going to be confidence going forward and how Alabama did or did not damage that. During the offseason, we heard from Clark Lee at uh, SEC Media Days. What was the response on your board uh, once Clark Lee came out and was very – demonstrative in the fact that Vanderbilt was going to be a power in college football. I mean, understand that that you want to, to be pretty strong with your words, but he was he was he was really strong. I was just curious what what some of the fan uh, responses were. Well, I, I think there was the response that he probably shouldn't have said that, which I, I probably would have phrased it if I differently if I were him. When he clarified that later, he talked about how best program doesn't always mean wins and losses. It means best experience for your kids the classroom, those sorts of things, uh, the experience in, in the town that you're in, uh, the conference you're in, those sorts of things. And so when you put it through that lens, it, it makes a little more sense. Now, look, is Vanderbilt ever going to be the best program 
in college football. Uh, <laughs> probably not. Probably not as long as you and I are alive. That said, um, to me, that was sort of a. I don't know that I would have said it, but at the same time, it's a. You know, shoot for the stars, and maybe you hit the moon. And if you hit the moon, that's something that Vanderbilt's not done very often. Uh, so you've at least raised the bar of expectations, and established that you've had some. Uh, at, at a time where there really haven't been any, so to speak, for Vanderbilt football. A big uh, initiative over the offseason also by Candace Lee, uh, the athletic director there at Vanderbilt. We know that uh, Tim Corbin and the baseball programs had a, a number of years of success, winning national championships. We've seen Charles Stackhouse kind of revamp that Vanderbilt basketball team. Football has always kind of been the one lagging behind. We saw an incredible amount of influx of money coming in. Uh, I know McGugan has been a place <laughs> that's been kind of a, uh, a place of, of discussion, the, the building that houses all the administration. Can you give us an update about that initiative over the summer, the amount of influx of money, I think, Chris, what, three, $400 million uh, towards athletics? What's kind of a 10,000-feet view of where all that stands right now? Well, they haven't said a lot publicly about it, and I don't know where they are on fundraising. I think they want to get as much from fans and donors as they can before the school will chip in. Uh, I suspect that's probably a lot of it. But I think probably three years from now, um, here's what this is going to look like. You will see, and, and they will do some of the work starting in the off season. the open end zone is going to have what they have termed the country's largest practice facility for men's and women's basketball. Um, I think it's going to be three or four stories. They're going to have premium seating on the, the decks of that to where people can watch the football games. So they'll have the basketball practice facility in that open end zone. They'll have some other things in there. Of course, they'll have the, the weight rooms and, and other basketball facilities. They'll have a, I think, sort of a food prep center for some upgraded concessions will be in there somewhere. And again, the seating on the outside, the closed end zone will no longer be closed in about three years. Um, they're going to dynamite out about 10,000 seats on that end. They're going to put in a football operations building, which will have a bigger weight room and more of the amenities that other programs had that, that they have not had. You know, the locker room will be there, all those sorts of things. I'm guessing there will be premium seating options on that building, too, although I don't remember for sure. Um, I think they're going to do something in terms of luxury suites on the side opposite of the press box, which overlooks Hawkins Field. Um, I cannot remember where that stands, but that will be some improved seating um, and also maybe some boxes that you can use for baseball, too. McGugan Center, which is across the street, that is our athletics building. That is going to look a lot different. I think they're going to grow that up. That street that runs between that building next to the baseball stadium and behind the football stadium is going to be – that's just Neely Drive. That's going to be completely closed off and grassed over. So it'll be more of an area, um, just a pedestrian area and, and kind of a walkway between those two buildings – and then I believe they will be doing some stuff to the baseball field, too, some upgraded seating and concessions, amenities. But, yeah, about three years from now, Vanderbilt will spend probably close to $400 million, and that, that area is going to look much different, and particularly the football side of things, than, than it has in the past. The capacity at Dudley Field now, Chris, is it around 38000 
I think it's 40,300. Okay. Is there a number they're trying to get to, right do you think? There. Do you think there's a number there? They have not. Yeah, they, they haven't announced it. I think the capacity is going to be closer to thirty to 35,000, and my guess is probably more on the low end of that number. But a lot of amenities, amenities uh, for the Vanderbilt fans that are coming to the games, which, uh, of course, we know now does not uh, – don't have a lot of that right now. And I know that's something that they're definitely trying to get to. Yeah, I mean, the stadium has been the butt of jokes for – I've covered them 20 years. It's been the butt of jokes the entire time from how not nice it is, which is, you know, just odd. You look around – like, you can see they've got a – They've got literally a billion-dollar dorm that almost casts a shadow on the football stadium that, that got built just a, a year or two ago. It got completed, I guess, closer to two now. Um, and then there's that stadium, which, like, it's not it's not crumbling apart or anything, but it is very vanilla. Um, there's nothing attractive about it. I think that when that's done, it's going to be a very nice looking space and, and maybe a more enjoyable experience for everybody who attends. Yeah, Vanderbilt not lacking for money when you uh, in, no. when you talk about academics uh, and their endowments. Uh, looking at this football team, Chris, everybody kind of is talking about junior wide receiver Will Shepard. Yeah, he is. He just is a, a is a smooth kid. I mean, he, he makes a lot of plays. He can he can beat you with run after the catch. He can beat you with long catches downfield. Uh, he is now, I think, second in the SEC in receiving yards. I don't know where they stand, but heading into the bye week, he was first in the country in touchdown catches. He's been a real weapon for them. He's been a kid that A.J. Swan has really locked on to. Uh, I believe they targeted him 15 times in the Northern Illinois game, and I think that was over half their pass attempts or, or close to it. Um, he's a guy who's been a headache to cover, and I'm sure he will be – at the forefront of everybody's defensive plans. Mike Wright, the quarterback that started this season, obviously we know the talented freshman A.J. Swan out of the state of Alabama has has really looked good over the last couple of games. Real quick, I know Ken Seals Jr., he had a – Ken Seals, he had a, a show on your network. It's just – was he just beat out by better players? Well, I, I think what it is, I, I thought, frankly, Seals had the best camp of, of anybody. Um of their three quarterbacks in fall. But Seals was not their recruit. There were a lot of questions coming into the season whether they could pass protect, which has kind of been a pleasant surprise. It's been better than than anybody thought, I believe. And so I think Mike got the job in in no small part because he can run. He's a 10-8, 100-meter guy. Um, I think he's still in the SEC's rushing leaders, even though he's not played a couple of games. So – that had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I think they're looking at A.J. Swan. Honestly, he reminds me a lot of Jay Cutler, the good and the bad. Um, he's not as good an athlete as Jay was, but the arm, I, I think, is legitimately that strong. He's got that confidence and that it, that it factor, that swagger that Jay had. Um, he's their recruit. They brought him in in the offseason. Uh, he was a highly coveted kid, and I think that's one of those things where they have felt like Probably since spring practice, he was the future of the program. So my guess, this is just my opinion, is if it was close between he and Seals. And A.J. can make probably more plays than anybody on the roster throwing the ball. Now, his his decision-making and accuracy have not been as good in practice, although in, in games he seems to have learned some things. 
He talked about how he pressed in fall camp and probably tried to make some throws that weren't there. We've not seen that as much in games. He has thrown six touchdowns and no picks. And so I think a lot of it was just going with the younger guy who was their recruit, who they feel has got the biggest upside of all the quarterbacks on their roster because of that arm strength. And, and I think that probably dictated a lot of the decision. Rocco Griffin had been injured, and we knew um, he had come in, had a pretty productive last couple of years at running back. Where does he stand right now, and how does that running back room look? Well, I think it'll be healthier than it's been all year, um, literally all year, going into the Ole Miss game. Um, Ray Davis has had to shoulder a disproportionate load of the rushing attack. Uh, he's a good back. He can do everything from catch passes to pass block, but they put a big burden on him, uh, having to be the guy that carried the ball most of the time. Patrick Smith, who's their third guy, who did not look good against Alabama, but he's got some talent. Uh, he is back now, and he'll probably be their number three. He can really help them, I think. And Griffin's a kid who got hurt, I want to say, in the Hawaii game and just has not been the same ever since. Has been, I think, the NIU game, the Wake game. Um, if you listen to Clark Lee on Tuesday, you thought he was going to play both games. He didn't play either. I think it was a maybe some kind of a muscle pull, and those can be tricky. But Griffin is the guy that's got the quickness gear. Uh, that I think that the Davis does not have. He's got Griffin's got more of it at least, and I think he's comparable to Smith, or maybe a little better. He's a good kid. He's kind of a team leader. He's a little bit of a change of pace back, um, and having him against Ole Miss, I, I think, will help them because he's a little bit of a different style of back than they've had. And frankly, he's a kid that I've underrated since he's been on campus. His yards per carry the first couple of years were not very good, but he's worked hard and gotten better. Uh, and I think having he and Smith back against Ole Miss is, is really going to help their rushing attack, if for no other reason than to spell Ray Davis, who's, who's probably been a little bit overworked. A couple of younger players across that offensive front, uh, Delphine Xavier Castillo along with Gunnar Hansen. What's that offensive front going to look like against Ole Miss on Saturday? Well, first of all, again, that's, that's been a surprise of the team. I, I think if they have Castillo and Hanson back, that's a big help because I don't think they've had both those guys healthy for a full game all year. It, it has been either – and I could be wrong about this, but it seems like when one has been out, the other's been in and vice versa. Uh, Hernandez got hurt late in the Hawaii game. And Castillo took over at center where he didn't play much in fall camp. Did a good job. Hernandez came back and Castillo got hurt. I don't think he even made the trip to Alabama. So I'll be interested to see what the depth chart says this week. But Castillo is a, is a big guard. He's 340 pounds. He's probably – he and Hernandez are the best two interior guys, I think. Uh, ben Cox being the other one, the left guard, is probably not as good as those two. But I think if they get both Castillo and Hernandez healthy – um, again, is, is it enough to have them beat Ole Miss? Probably not. Is it enough to help them? Uh, no doubt it is, because I, I think those two kids are, are pretty good players, and Hernandez in particular has played a lot of football. You expect uh, Brammer or Ashmore to play that right tackle spot? I know uh, Brammer came in as a senior transfer. Um, I, I think both of them will play. Uh, they, they do something that's kind of unusual. They like to rotate offensive linemen. Um, you've seen them Spelling Gunnar Hansen some, I think, with Junior Azebu, who I think has played some on the right side. 
Um, Brammer is kind of their utility piece. He, he came in, everybody figured he would start at left tackle. That did not happen. Um, I think that what you'll see is probably a seven-man rotation. That's what they've been doing a lot, presuming everybody's healthy, maybe eight. So I, I think that you will see probably Ashmore um, maybe playing some right tackle. Uh, and, it, again, a lot of it depends on Castillo. But Ashmore has played right tackle, right guard. Bramer has played some tackle with, with Ashmore moving inside. But I think even without health, you may see both because they, they seem to prefer – getting guys some rest, and I think they view several of those guys between their starters and the backup, the competition being pretty close. So I think they have have chosen to get some guys some rest, which I think so far has worked out pretty well for them. Defensively, you know, Chris, covering this team for 20-plus years, that's always been a strong suit. And, in fact, a lot of linebacker play, a lot of safety play, we've seen a lot of those players in the NFL. One safety is kind of we all gravitate toward is Derricky Wright, the junior uh, safety for Vanderbilt. Who are some names across that defense that Ole Miss fans can be looking for? Well, here's the one to watch. Uh, Jalen Mahoney wears number 23. In my mind, is their best defensive back. He's played corner. He's played nickel corner. He's played safety. He did not play against Alabama. Um, he's a kid who can make a few plays. He's very steady. He's he's played a lot for four years. I think getting him back against Ole Miss would be big. Ricky Wright is a kid who is probably longer on talent than experience. He got the best grade of anybody on the team against Alabama, um, according to Pro Football Focus. He was committed both to Alabama and to Ole Miss and wound up at Vanderbilt. Um, he's a big safety. He's about six foot four, probably two fifteen or two twenty, and just can make some plays. I don't know if he's in the right spot, uh, but it's one of those things where he's so athletic they had to get him on the field somewhere, and that's what they've done. Other than that, Brad, they've struggled. Uh, they've really struggled in coverage. Um, they've given up a ton of long plays against Alabama. They just played kind of a soft zone, and Bryce zone. Excuse me, Bryce Young just picked them apart. The secondary's not been very good on the whole, but I think if they get Mahoney back against Ole Miss, that, that, that does help them significantly. The defensive front, Chris, a lot of seniors there with, with uh, Nate Clifton, Christian James, uh, Malik Langham. Are there any other names to be looking for across that defensive front? Yeah, their, their defensive front hasn't been very good. Their best player is Davion Davis. He's been out all year. We will get a status update on him, I'm sure, on Tuesday morning. Uh, they've got a kid from Germany who's very intriguing. Um, his, his last name is pronounced Wataha. It is spelled O-U-T-T-A-R-A. He is a kid they found in Germany, and, and I'm not kidding you. Um, the quality of high school ball in Germany is not exactly exceptional. His highlight film, and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, it looked like he was playing against me and you. Yeah. Uh, but he's got some ability. He has played some lately, played against Alabama. He's a kid that, that some people have felt like is a five-star talent, but just the, the experience has not been there at times in fall camp. I thought he really showed out. That That's one to watch. I don't know how big of a factor he'll be in the old Miss game, but the, the big thing is they just don't have enough of a pass rush. Um they lost their, their starting basically rush in. They, they call it the um, the star position. Miles Capers got hurt in fall camp. He's not going to play all year due to a, a torn knee. They are rotating two true freshmen 
and Darren Agu and BJ Diacate, who both I think have played well under the circumstances. Uh, but they just do not have enough SEC caliber athletes on the defensive front. And I think teams have really exposed that, and particularly Alabama did last time out. He's Chris Lee, covers Vanderbilt, and has been covering Vandy for, for quite a while. Be sure and check the VandySports.com podcast. That's, of course, a part of uh, VandySports.com, a Rivals affiliate, a really good message board community, a ton of great content on the Vanderbilt Commodores across all sports. That podcast, of course, you can get it at uh, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure and follow Chris Lee on Twitter. That's at ChrisLee70, and then VandySports.com on Twitter. Chris, thanks very much for joining us today. Always a pleasure and look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Hey, Brad, you've been a good friend. Thanks for having me on and I wish everybody in the audience a safe trip to Nashville. And thanks to Chris Lee from VandySports.com. Chris does a phenomenal job. He's the the guy that I always call if I have a question about anything going on with Vanderbilt Athletics. He does a great job at VandySports.com. He's got a very good message board community. Part of the Rivals family, and uh, Chris has, uh, has a podcast, the Vandy Sports Podcast. You can get it everywhere you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Google Play. And it's Vanderbilt and Ole Miss at 3 o'clock inside Vanderbilt Stadium. I think it's they've named it some kind of bank stadium now. But it's at Dudley Field there on the campus in Nashville. We'll be on site and look forward to seeing all of you there in Nashville. So grateful for our sponsor today, our studios, always brought to you by Debbie Johnson. Debbie Johnson from Kessinger Real Estate. She was our real estate agent. She can be yours today. Just give her a call at 662-689-0090 or call the office at 662-234-5555. Debbie Johnson, Kessinger Real Estate, our real estate agent here on the Believe in Ole Miss podcast. Always grateful for our friends at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, and esports, and even golf. Head on over to Bet Online today, use your mobile device, and join and make your very first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks to everybody once again for downloading and listening to the show. Leave us a review if you get a chance, whatever platform that you listen to. On Google Play, on Spotify, on iTunes, we're continuing to grow, and, and it's because of you. And we're so grateful that you're a part of the Believe It Ole Miss podcast. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you soon right here on the Believe It Ole Miss podcast, part of the Believe Network. Listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at Brad Logan C O T E and at Believe Podcasts. 
as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.